Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. And we are back. Welcome to episode 20 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Hughes. And with me tonight is Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how are you doing, man? Doing good. Two nights in a row. Yeah. Happy Vlad. Actually, this is our second night in three days recording. Yeah, we recorded. Oh, was it Wednesday night? I think it was, and we're here on Friday. No, night. it was. It was. No. Uh, it was yesterday. yesterday. Oh, you're Thursday. right. Yeah, it was two days in a row. Oh gosh, I'm I'm getting old and losing track of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say that you beat me to it. Oh well, yeah, just I'm old. Well, uh, tonight we're gonna talk about hot starts. Last week we talked about the cold starting players and the tonight we're going to talk about the hot ones but before we do any of that my first question with you andrew is you know tonight was vladdy day as we called it and i didn't notice you in the chat groups early on in that toronto game so my first question is did you miss vlad's first at bat no i saw it yeah i was i was watching it was i was busy i i actually was creatively uh watching it yeah it was it was tough but i did see it yeah you found a way yeah i found a way <laughs> but i couldn't do all, i couldn't do everything at once you know but found a way yeah yep. yeah that was fun something just in case if any of your fellow co-workers are listening yeah. to this podcast will yeah. not say <laughs> you just found a way uh so vlad tonight uh did you how many of his bats did you get to see that? i i saw most of, i pretty much saw all of it yeah it was pretty impressive. I got to see the first at bat. I was getting ready to leave to take my daughter grocery shopping. My wife had a lot of work to do, and I just got her out of the house. And we were getting ready to leave. The first inning ended right before we were leaving. I was like, ah, crap. I'm not. I'm going to miss that first at bat. But it took me long enough to get her in the car, and I was starting the car. And I saw that the half inning for the A's ended really quickly. And I just hung out in the garage with the car running with the garage door open. <laughs> but yeah. watching, the, watching that while I was still on Wi-Fi at, ha- at the home, and I got to see that first at bat. And then I missed the rest, but it went one for four, and it looks like it was pretty impressive. I just saw that double right before we started recording where uh, Chad Pinder, is that right, Chad? Yeah, yeah. He had the, the first one he grounded out. I think he got it to like 2-2, grounded out to first, and then... The next two were like to the warning track, pretty much. The second one was Pinder jumped up, probably would have hit the wall, and then the uh, the third one was like right center. It was like right in front of the warning track, and then the fourth one was double down the line. Yes, so. which they pinch ran him for, and yeah. I made my typical rant that I do. It was the ninth inning, and it was a tie game, leadoff double. I absolutely hate in tie games in late situations when you take one of your best hitters out of a game yeah. to put in a faster guy. And yeah, I I was thinking the same thing when they did it, but uh, it's one game, and I also was thinking like, well, maybe this is kind of their way of letting him get his last ovation too. So I don't know if they would have done that if it was like the middle of July, you know, and. I don't know. But yeah, I don't really like it either in general. Right when he, they did it, I was kind of like, oh, that's weird. But but sometimes it's kind of like when they uh, they set up, you know, like when 
for example, and this is obviously different, but similar in a way, like when Ichiro came off the field, you know, they, they set it all up, you know, and I was like, yeah, maybe they're just setting up him getting his uh, last ovation there at the end and, and putting a, and putting a faster runner on pace at the same time, obviously. I hope you're right. Cause if that's their logic, I actually feel okay about it. But as a Cardinal fan who went through many years of Tony La Russa losing game after game in extra innings because Pujols was on second base or actually no Pujols hit a leadoff walk and they bring in a pinch runner in a tie yeah, game yeah. and then they lose in the 12th because right. oh Shane Robinson was coming up to bat <laughs> right. instead of Albert Pujols. I, that's <laughs> where I think yeah. that triggers me as I saw that way too much. Yeah, if they do it again, then I'll totally be like, okay, yeah, now this is. But uh, yeah, I I just thought maybe they were, did that, but I don't I don't know, you know. I was I was watching. I didn't have the sound up too much, and I was just trying to catch what I could. So I may go back and watch a little bit of it. But we did talk about Vlad's call up on the last podcast, but there were two other call ups that I wanted to bring up before we start talking about hot players because. One of them is very significant, and that would be Carter Keboom, who was called up by the Nationals to play shortstop for their game on Friday night. Keboom was having a fantastic start in his first action in AAA this year. He was in AA last year, so this was a jump up a level. And in 18 games, he had a 379 batting average, an on-base percentage that was over 500 at 506. He did have three home runs. I'm not sure the home run power is fully developed yet, but he did have six doubles to go with those three home runs. I do believe this guy could end up being a guy who hits in the upper 20s and home runs per season here soon. I'm not sure that he's there now quite yet, but I could be wrong. He's not a stolen base guy. And Andrew, if I'm right that his power isn't fully developed yet, even if he lands a starting gig for the rest of this year, I'm not sure he has a ton of value in 2019. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, it's uh, mostly hit and power, you know, like the power and the hit just kind of have to play. He doesn't run a ton. Good team. Probably will hit at the bottom of the lineup for now, you know, short term. But uh, did hit a homer tonight, and who knows? He could be uh, He could be good. I mean, he's definitely a good prospect. He, this may be lazy comp, but the guy who he reminds me of that I – think his upside is or what what i'm hopeful for him to be is his teammate anthony rendon right now which is the guy who hits in the mid 20s maybe upper 20s and home runs not not really a steal guy who steals bases but can hit for a decent average knows how to take a walk that's what i'm hopeful for what he'll end up being over the years we'll see yeah i don't i don't for the record i don't think he's as good of a hitter as rendon but yeah, I can see the rest of it, I guess. The other call-up was made by the Angels. Luis Rengifo was called up to replace Zach Cozart, who was placed on the IL this week. And honestly, I don't know too much about Rengifo. I went and did some digging today. And Andrew, I think I remember you mentioned him before the year as a late-round flyer. I don't think you said late-round flyer, but someone to watch in case he got called up. Do you remember talking about him? Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about him a little bit. Maybe at like the end of one of the... Uh probably the second base podcast. I, I don't remember one of those second base shortstop, one of those, but, uh, but yeah, he has a uh, good, he's got good stolen base numbers in the minors. So just someone to be aware of for sure. I mean, the 
it's not like the Angels are flooded with a bunch of talent that's going to put keep him out of the lineup if he's decent. And he's got some speed there. I, I will say, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I do remember hearing or reading maybe both that he doesn't really have like double plus speed or anything. It's more like above average, but just been in situations in the minors where they ran him a lot. So I maybe wouldn't expect the steals that he has had in the minors like the last couple of years, 34 and 41, probably more of like a, you know, lower, maybe like 20 steals type guy, but that still can matter. And it always could be more too. It's just an opinion I remember reading a couple times. So something to keep in mind. Yeah. Maybe he's an Adam Eaton type guy in terms of the stolen bases and just somebody who maybe steals 15 or 20 gets it, knocks it, hits a few home runs. He doesn't have the home run power that Adam Eaton has, which <laughs> make, I'm making it sound like Adam Eaton's papers here, but uh, even if up. he gets to, I mean, even if he gets to 25 steals or something, though, that is valuable. So, I mean, it's definitely something to someone to monitor for sure. You pr- probably need to pick him up. I would think in most leagues, who would you rather have between him and Cole Tucker? Um, that's, that's kind of a good one, I guess. I just um, thought of it. I, the only thing is I haven't looked much at, yeah, I'm just looking at Ren Gifo tonight. He's two for two. Yep. And they've got him, they've got him hitting seventh and he took a walk. Which that guy could Uh, walk himself in the top of the lineup. I think easier than the Pirates. Yeah, maybe. I think that's debatable. I would probably say Tucker, but it's it is close. Yeah, it's close. They're but they're similar. Yeah, I think I lean Ringifo. Hey, we only have our one bet this year. Maybe no, this I'm is not. our second. Oh, no. dang it! No, I'm good. You're not baiting me on that because <laughs> I don't even have a strong opinion on it. Honestly, I, I well, could see it. It's, I could see it totally going either way. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, Ringifo's two for two with a double and a walk so far. Pretty solid start, but I. I think the reason I say that is the Pirates, they just mess with the youngsters. And I don't know if the Angels really have that kind of track record like them. I think I think he does have a better shot of getting to the top of that lineup and yeah. actually holding yeah, a gig than the Pirates. It's definitely really close. Okay, well now let's get on to the players off to scorching starts. And Andrew, you listened to the Fantasy Focus back with on ESPN, that podcast with Barry and Rabbits back in the day, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, I think I started around like 07. It was a long time ago. I remember when I would listen to that, I would, that was like the first podcast I think I ever really listened to. It's like 06 or 07. And I remember listening to it from a desktop computer at home, like when I, still, <laughs> when I lived at home. Like sitting there, and it wasn't like you know smartphones and stuff. I remember like I'd hit, I'd be on the ESPN page and I'd hit play, and it would play through the speakers. It was, it was so old school. Like thinking about it now, it's just funny. That means you were listening for their War by the Shore, then, weren't you? Do you remember that? Uh, I remember hearing about that. I don't think I listened right around then, but I think it was shortly after. 
Somewhere in there, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember what it was. God, it's so long ago. But I started listening in November of 2009 or fall 2009, something like that. Uh, I guess it would have been fall. I think they still had some the end of season going on or maybe the season that just ended. But my wife finally talked me into getting an iPhone. We both got iPhones and taught me this about these podcasts. And yeah, though, I discovered that one and the Prospect 361 one right about the same time. But I bring up all that to say they had the name game, which yeah. when they were debating between two players and Barry always hated that people would use his stuff and call it the same thing. Yeah. And I was trying to think of what to call it, and I've been sitting there thinking about it, and I finally came up with my name, which we're all doing the same thing. We're all talking about, would you rather have this guy or this guy? And it seems like every podcast has their own name for it, and I came up with one, and that is him or him. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I don't know if it's a good name or not, but that's what I came up with, and that's, that's what I'm going to go forward with. Yeah, I wouldn't have come up with anything better, so that's <laughs> that sounds good to me. So we'll play a few of those with these hot starts because when you're talking about guys off the hot starts, it's that's when you want to be talking about are these guys you want to be selling and would you sell them for this guy who's either off to an okay or a cold start. And we're going to start off with catcher and all of these stats are going into Friday night. I updated them right before we started recording. I took notes a couple days ago and I ended up updating them because we had a little bit of time here. And we're going to start off with the number one overall catcher in fantasy leagues in the first month. And Andrew, you'll be happy to know that's Brewers catcher Yasmani Grandal. Pat yourself on the back for that one because I know you are high on him going into the season. And he's rewarding your fantasy teams and anybody else who took him. 312 batting average and six home runs here in the early going. Yeah, he's been awesome, man. It's great. Sucks for the sucks for the Cubs, but... It's uh, fan- <laughs> fantasy-wise, it's awesome. I think you said he's hit over 30 home runs this year and yeah. six home runs in the first month. That's a good start to it. Yeah, okay. he's, been, he's, he's been hitting third some, too, which uh-huh. that's kind of a tasty spot in that lineup. Aguilar kind of just gave that one up, and somebody's got to move in there. And when you got a catcher who's hitting at a three twelve batting average and an on, he's always been really good at taking walks. I don't. I didn't look and see what his on-base percentage is right off the bat, but I'd imagine it's over 400. So Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. I know he's hitting over 300, but... Let's play the him or him game here, and I'm starting real high. Actually, I'm going all the way to the top. Grandall versus Gary Sanchez. Who would you rather have rest of the season? Gary Sanchez. Okay. And 391 on base. I just looked it up. Okay, Grandal versus JT Real Muto. This is the one I thought about because I, I saw this. and uh, Man, I think it's close. I do. Yeah. I think it's really close. I think I would take Grandal. I, I really like him. I think I would take him. But that said, I, I know Real Muto is really good too. So, yeah, they're really close to me. The main reason I would take Sanchez over the both of them is I just think Sanchez has the crazy ceiling, you know, just the stupid ceiling that can separate him from the rest of the catchers, but uh, that the other two just maybe don't quite have. But, um, yeah, I think those two are really close. I'd probably slightly lean Grandal, but I, I, I think it's very close. I could easily be wrong. 
going back before the year, you said Grandall had 30 home run upside. That's what you were saying and hope and hopeful of. But on that same podcast, we were saying Gary Sanchez has 40 home run upside. So I'm with you, and I actually think I would take Grandall over Real Muto too. Which, if you're taking him over him, that means you're you have him at number two, right? There's nobody else that you'd have over Grandall. Yeah, no, no, those are the those are the three for sure. I mean, it three, two, two, three. You know, however you want to put them, and if you want to put Grandall third out of the three, yeah, it's fine. But he's just in yeah. such a good lineup, good park, and he's good. You know, it's just. Good uh, combination. The other two are too, though. Obviously, Remuto's playing good too. So you're doing fine if you have any of them. Yeah. Next up, I'm going to bring up the Cubs' Wilson Contreras, who's third amongst catchers after a breakout 2017. Last year was a pretty big disappointment for Contreras. Only hit 10 home runs in 138 games. But early on, this year's a different story. 299 batting average with six home runs already in 23 games. So. 10 home runs in 138 games, 6 home runs in 23 games here. Quite the start for your cubby here, Andrew. Yeah, he's been playing really good. Walking a ton, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, good start for Contreras. It's good to see after last year. Is he the clear number four right now? Uh, I don't have all the lists and like all the guys in front of me, but off the top of my head, I would think so. Trying to think of who else is even, uh, I'll list off some guys here that I'm looking at. Cause I'm looking at the catcher list. Now, Yachty Molina, Wilson Ramos. Uh, yeah, those guys are all right there, I guess. I, I, there's not really much behind them. And I think I'd take Contreras over those guys. I like Molina, and he's a safe, secure guy, but Contreras, I mean, I don't think of him as a low-floor guy either. I mean, last yeah. year, I think, was the floor for him. Yeah, I would probably. I like Molina, but I would probably take Contreras over him, yeah. I think I'd have Molina fourth. Contreras. Contreras yeah. fourth, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I, I think I'd have Molina fifth. I still <laughs> yeah. don't have any issue with him. Okay, I'm going to lump two other catchers together here. Omar Narvez of Seattle, he's got a 286 average with five home runs, 13 RBI, or and 18 runs scored in 23 games. And then the other one's Mitch Garver, who's hitting 400 in only 12 games, but he has five home runs, 10 RBI, and 11 runs, and he's getting more playing time there in Minnesota as of late. Which of those two would you rather have? Uh, I'd probably take Narvaez. Is that how you say it? Narvaez? Yeah, it's Narvaez. Um, I butchered that pretty bad then. Just because, uh, he's the clear starter. That's the main reason. Um, Garver, there's Castro and Astadio there. I mean, he's just not going to get the plate appearances that, Narvaez is so yeah I would take uh, Narvaez for sure man Ostadio that's a guy who just continues hitting he unfortunately yeah. I hear he's a pretty terrible catcher or a bad one but 313 batting average two home runs seven RBI 10 steals in 48 or <laughs> 10 steals <laughs> yeah. um, nope no uh, 48 at bats but 10 runs scored in those 15 games he's 
solid player. I just don't think he can get the playing time because he doesn't play catcher well, and he's got two one catcher that's really good at framing and another one that's hitting really well and is a better catcher. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to first base, and that means we will talk about Cody Bellinger. He already has 13 home runs and four steals in his first 27 games. Andrew, first question. Over under 40 home runs for Bellinger in 2019. Under. Okay. So you're you're thinking he's going to take a dip back from this pace, which, I mean, from this pace, it'd be... I think that's obvious, but that'd be a significant step back. He only needs 27 home runs and 100. Did you count the one tonight? I think so. I have fan tracks up. I'm looking at fan tracks right now, and it says he has 13. Yeah, he hit hit one tonight in the first inning. So he has to hit 27 home runs and 135 remaining games for the Dodgers. Yeah, he could do it. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, think, I would say I would say under, but I think I'd take the over on that one. Oh, do we want to make it get put it on that one on up there? Um, we have to come up with a name for this. Yeah, I'm more likely to do this than the other one. Um, what do you want to do? Thirty nine and a half. I'll, I'll say yeah. I say he hits forty. And we're no like injury clause or anything, right? You're just letting me take the under. I'll take it. I'll 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 just put it up there. He hits four. All right, I'll take the under. I'm writing it down now so I remember. 39, 39 and a half. If he hits forty, you win. Hits forty, I say. You're the uh, you're the expert at keeping track of these. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am actually. I guess I don't need somebody to make tabs on ours. For those that don't know, I am the guy who keeps track on all of Rich Wilson and Tim McLeod's stick and liquor bets on pros, uh, baseball. Prospect yeah. 361. I keep track of that on the Facebook page. Do you remember what our first bet is? Uh, uh, it was Mike Fultonowitz. Yeah. Uh, 3-8 ERA or something. Yeah, good um, job. Yes, that I think is exactly under, where it was. Yep. Yeah, I think I had under and you had over. And he yep. pitches. He pitches tomorrow, I think, isn't it? I thought he was coming back soon. I can't remember. Yeah, I think he starts tomorrow. His first Which, game. So. so one of us can get on on the next podcast and gloat. <laughs> yeah, right. That's uh, like hilar- it's like hilarious to me, by the way, that that's our only bet. Because <laughs> I will tell you this: like, you could name off, like, just in the preseason before the season started. If I had to name off the hundred player, like a hundred players that I felt the most strongly about, I wouldn't name him off. <laughs> no. So it's like hilarious, like because I didn't, you know, you have the guys you really like, and then the guys you don't like at all, and you know, you have quite a few of each of those. And I wouldn't have put him in either group. So it's just so funny that that was like the bet. It's like Rafael Devers stealing six bases and making a bet out of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's. Moving back to Bellinger, he has a 13% walk rate in the early going, which is great, but not overly surprising. Everybody knew he was good at walking. But the huge surprise to me is the drop in strikeout rate so far, going from 26% in 2017, 24% in 2018. And so far this year, his strikeout rate is only at 11.6% so far. His hard hit rate's currently at 53% also. 
which if he keeps it up to some extent, he's going to be an absolute monster this year. Hence why I think I'm taking the 40 on him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's been awesome. I, I would probably right now, if I could get a first round pick for him, like a, a, another, what I mean by that is another player that was drafted in the first round that you consider a first round pick. I'd probably trade him. Well, that's just, that, that's just me. That immediately and I think, makes me think of one guy then, Bryce Harper. I think you can get that, though. That's what I'm – like, yeah. if you can't – I mentioned it the other day to somebody. I was We were talking about it. I was like, I would sell high on Bellinger. Uh, it's not that I don't think he's good. I think he's awesome. But I don't think that he's this – well, he's obviously not this awesome. But if the perception of him has gone from – second or third rounder to first I'm out you can have him and give me the give me the guy that I think is a first rounder that's just yeah that's just how I feel about it yeah I don't think I'd feel comfortable taking him as a first rounder in drafts next year even if he goes out there and hits 45 this year I just yeah and I he's on a, other guys he's on a ramp, feel better about he's on a rampage and you should be able to get a lot so yeah. I would I would consider something like that I'm going on a sidetrack here since I said Bryce Harper's name and I have not talked about him enough this year because he's my favorite player. But are you worried at all about his strikeout rate? Do you know what it's at so far this year? Have you seen? I have not seen where it's at, no. I think I saw it was at 31% so far. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's high. That is still, high. Walks are still high. Walks are he, still high. He did just he did homer tonight. Oh, good for him. I like to hear that. I'm that's looking right now. going into tonight. But yes, a 17.9% walk rate. But that 253 batting average is coming with a 346 batting average on balls in play. And he's always been a guy who hits the ball hard. And I think he'll always be a batting average guy if his strikeout rate doesn't go too high. But he's got to get that down. Yeah. Okay. Going off track, trying to get back us on, get us back on now. And the next guy I'm going to bring up is Pete Alonzo, who's also off to a great start as a rookie with a 302 batting average and eight home runs. Mets fans seem to be falling in love with this guy, who seems to be expe- exceeding expectations in the early going. And Andrew, we have touched on him some. Do you have anything to add with him? No, not really. He's a beast. I, <laughs> I'm really impressed by what I've seen. It's been awesome. Yeah. A couple, three other first basemen that are off to really good starts are Trey Mancini, Christian Walker, and Jay Bruce. Andrew, those three kind of obscure names before the year or guys who were not really high on radars, how would you rank those three rest of the season? I would probably say Walker, Mancini, Bruce. Yeah, that's how I'd have it too. Yeah, I... I think Walker's pretty legit right now. It's I like Mancini too, but yeah, I think that's the order I'd go with. Did you see where he um, Steve Trapani took him in our sup draft for yeah, Roto last, Masters too? Did you see where he took round. him? Yeah, tenth <laughs> the last round. That sure worked out. Yeah, that was a good pick. Okay. It's crazy. Like it's so weird to me. Like how he's I think twenty eight. And how does a guy that can do this just 
be left to nothing. I mean, I know, I know he was blocked, but he hasn't always been on Arizona either. But it's just like, that's just wild. I mean, twenty eight now, just getting a shot when you can do. Obviously, are capable of doing this. It's pretty, uh, pretty wild. It is pretty wild, and I'm just now really looking at his pro- Fangraphs page for the first time. I would be selling that guy if I had him, though. That 341 batting or batting average is coming with a 430 BABIP right now, a 29% strikeout rate. I think I'd try getting out if somebody's willing to buy that it's legit. Whew. Maybe, yeah, maybe if I, mean, I dug a little more here. Oh, my word. Here's, here's a crazy stat for you. His hard hit rate, his hard hit percentage right now is 69%. <laughs> Wow, that's the highest I've ever seen. I knew I knew that he was the other day I was looking at something and he was like at the top of yep. like hard hit or whatever. Okay, that may Yeah, that may dial me back a bit because you know, Aaron Judge is always a guy who hits at a really a high strikeout rate, but he just hits the ball so hard when he hits it and he plays in the small park. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I would hang on to him. I don't know. That's you're playing. You're playing. Well, I don't some... think. I don't think you're like that. I don't think you're getting a lot for the guy yet, though. Yeah. So yeah, I, I right. would just. I would just write it out. I mean, you didn't pay a lot. He's playing awesome. He's building value, even if he is overperforming. I'd just write it out for a while. That's till true. Pe- till people really like start paying attention. I. I just don't think that. You know, you take you, you take so- Christian Walker to somebody and try and sell him off. They're gonna just be like, "What do you?" They're almost. I feel like you just kind of get laughed at a little bit. They they yeah. they'd have to approach you. I think. Yeah, in about a month, maybe it'll be different. Yeah. Right. Okay. Next up, second base. One of the big surprises early on is the explosion of White Sox infielder Yoan Mankata. Struggled a lot last year. I think you had a great stat on him before the season. And so far, he has six home runs and two steals, which isn't a huge, huge shock because we all knew he had tools. But a 320 batting average does feel like a huge shock. And his K rate in the early going is significantly lower this year, down to a reasonable 22.5%. Andrew, what are your thoughts on him right now? Uh, it's good to see him making improvements. I still think the batting average will drop and the K rate will probably rise some. I mean, it's still a pretty small sample, but yeah, it seems like he's uh, turned the corner a little bit. Yeah. Reason to feel some optimism if you own him. And I think this goes back to, I do want to say, this is goes back to your saying in dynasties, buy low on these toolsy guys whenever they're struggling and their value's down, because if you can, there, that the upside's still there in Mankata that was there before the season. And yeah, no doubt. The people who bought him, they got a good deal so far in the early going. And if you turned around and tried selling him maybe in the next month or two, you may be able to get a lot more than what you paid for him. Next up is another guy you liked at his price, Andrew, and that's Jonathan VR. 284 batting average, three home runs, and six, six steals. Pretty impressive start to the season, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, mostly quiet for him. I feel like I, I feel like it just hasn't. It's almost like it's just been quiet. I don't know. I haven't really uh, 
heard much buzz about him or anything or seen, you know, it just seems like it's all been under the radar, but yeah, yeah, he's been pretty good. And I have to bring up Brandon Lowe here. I predicted he'd be a top eight second baseman in OBP leagues before the season. And right now I just looked it up in batting average leagues. He's sitting at eighth overall. So great start, Brandon. Keep it up, man. Yeah, he's been he's been big for me. I'm in uh, in my NFBC draft and hold that I drafted in January. I kind of had a weak spot at second base, like coming out of it. I took Hampson, and he you know he gets the second base eligibility. He didn't have it coming into the year, but I knew he would. And then I just took a few guys, just piled on. Like I took uh, as Drupal and Luis Urias and. I took Brandon Lau, like, I think after all three of them. And he's my starting second baseman. I mean, I just had him in there. So it's been really good. Happy about it. Is that the NFBC league or is that the draft and hold league by Jory's running? No, it's the NFBC draft. It's a draft and hold, but it's NFBC. I'm in a couple. It's not the the Jory one, no. On base percentage or batting average there? Batting average. Okay. That's the, I mean, he's hitting 291 so far in the early going, so he's been good in that department too. Yeah, he was like, I, like I want to say he was like my 26th or 27th round pick. Beautiful. So, yeah, it's just been great. I mean. Okay, next up, third baseman. And I'm going to start off with a trio of third basemen who were not on radars going into the season. That'd be Renato Nunez of Baltimore, Tim Beckham of Seattle, and Yandy Diaz in Tampa. Which of those three do you think is the most legit? Man, I I think it's Yandy, man. I've changed my mind on him. I actually probably should have uh I probably should have mentioned him when we were talking about guys we've changed our mind on or whatever. But yeah, yeah. it all seems pretty legit to me. I he definitely is. But I will say I do like the other two too. I I don't actually have any shares of Yandy, but I've got um, Beckham in a few spots where I just got him cheap, you know, and then I've got one share of Renato Nunez and he's been awesome for me too. Mm-hmm. I, I've been happy with him. So I'm with you on Yandy. I think Tampa Bay got their hands on him and I think they did something with this swing. I, I looking him up now. I didn't look him up beforehand, but his ground ball rate was just ridiculous he's always one of those guys that the last few years Barry Baker one of our listeners and members of baseball 365 and huge baseball fan across the pond he always has loved Yandi and he talks about him a lot but the last few years his ground ball rates were just insane at 53 56 percent no never mind his ground ball rate this year is at 56 percent also Maybe I'm wrong when I was thinking that he was getting the ball in the air more, but he's only he's hitting, hitting. He's hitting a few more fly balls. Yeah, 29% fly ball rate, which still isn't that high. Huh, 30% home run to fly ball ratio. Hmm. I might be changing my mind back now that I look at that a little more. But. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, though, is he's walking a ton, he's not striking out much. He's and where whether this is like some of it's been luck or not, he's also established his role on their team that's just going to give him more opportunities going forward. 
Now, granted, he's not going to pace out for this. I mean, he's on pace to hit like 40 bombs. I mean, he's not going to do that. But if he hits 20 to 25 home runs with a solid average, let's just say he hits 20 home runs, 20, 22 home runs, which is conservative, I feel like, with this, you know, start he's off to. I mean, it's, that's a good season. He, he was completely free, basically, in drafts, so. Yeah, that's true. He was free. I don't, yeah, I bet he 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 may have gone undrafted in fifteen team redrafts. I I don't remember for sure where he was. Yeah, going, I I he was pretty ignored for the most part. Yeah, now maybe, maybe real late, but not. It wasn't like you were investing anything, is what I'm saying. You say you would take him. It would be conservative to put him at twenty home runs and. Honestly, I I think I'd still take the under for a couple of reasons. I hot start here, but Nate Lowe is absolutely crushing in AAA also. And if he's hitting the ball on the ground this much, and he, if he dips at all, I could see them deciding eventually to get him in there. And maybe he takes maybe Lowe takes choice at bats, but who's yeah? Also that's what I was off to a good I start. Maybe I don't know. Next up is Mikel Franco with Philly. Franco came into the season without guaranteed playing time. They were saying he was battling with um, Scott Kingery for third base playing time, and he started off getting the job but hitting eighth. But he's turned it on to another level to start the year with seven home runs in his first 26 games, and I've seen him moved up into the five-hole a little more this past week. So, scale of one to ten, Andrew, how sold are you on Franco turning the corner here? I know you were really pumping pumping him up and re- for his value for where he was going and redrafts going into the year. Yeah, I I uh he actually hit another one tonight. Good for him. I um scale of 1 to 10 how excited am I? How how sold are you that he's turned the corner here? Uh like a 6 or a 7. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like Franco. Especially, you know, just based on the price. I mean, we've kind of said that the whole time. I was about to bring up his K and walk rates, but then I'm remembering he's hit eighth to start the year, so I shouldn't be surprised that his walk rate's doubled right now. <laughs> it's actually at 12.6%. Yeah, and he's never, he's definitely never been a guy that walks. No. No. You know he's hitting 258 with a 224 batting average on balls in play. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, usually that's don't rough. see usually don't see somebody with a BABIP that low and an at batting average that's still that high. But yeah. I guess when you're hitting it out of the park, <laughs> that helps. Yeah. All right. Finally, Hunter Dozier, who's actually nursing a back injury right now, but he's off to a great start. A three twenty four batting average, seven home runs in twenty one games. The underlying stats show a huge improvement in the strikeout department, dropping from 28% in 2018 to just under 20% so far this year, with the walk rate all the way up to 15%. It's all small sample, and we're in the early going, but same question, Andrew. 1 to 10, how sold are you on him? Uh, I would say like a 5. Okay. I mean, kind of kind of right in the middle. Maybe slightly towards the 6. I. I kind of do like him a little bit. I, I've got him in one team too, so I've been following him. It's been, it's been crazy. He's been playing really good. No wonder your fantasy teams are all doing 
I shouldn't him. say all, but doing pretty well. I'm looking at, I'm listing these guys off, and of all these hot starts, like at I picked third base, up, I have one share. I tell you what, I picked up Dozier in a 15 team. It was the, the TGFBI league for eight fab dollars out of a thousand. Huh. Just it was the week. It was a couple weeks ago. It was like before he got pretty hot that he like he is now it was you know it was kind of right before that but he had hit a couple bombs you know it was just and I was like it was one of my conditional bids you know it was like the third or fourth guy down I didn't get the top and I was like okay I got Hunter Dozier and I just threw him in there at like corner and he's been good man eight fab dollars well done yeah it's just it's just another reason to kind of go conservative sometimes on that you can sneak through a guy that you know, they produce just as much sometimes as the guys that you really want. So, Yep. He's been better for you than Cole Tucker has so far. In a yeah, week. yeah, for sure. All right, shortstop. Well, the number two shortstop at the early going is a guy I remember you loving at this at his ADP, I think it was two years ago, and that's Tim Anderson. 388 batting average with four home runs and 10 steals in 21 games this year. And do you have any shares of him this year, Andrew? Nope. No shares. Man, really impressive start. Yeah, he's been awesome. So let's play a him or him game with Anderson rest of the season. And I went with some big names here. Let's start with Carlos Correa. Who would you rather have? Correa. Okay. So we're not going that high. Take us. I'll keep moving backwards here. Cor- uh, Corey Seager. Um, the fact that you're pausing here is saying a lot. Yeah, probably Seager, but yeah, Seager. Okay. What about VR? That's about that. They're about even. That's close. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's close. And Segura, I think he's on the DL or I or injured. List Anderson, right now. An, other thing, Anderson's got a four forty three Babbitt. Ooh, wow. And yeah, it's like this. This this stuff is gonna correct. I mean, it's it's uh, he's still not walking. His walk rate's lower than last year. He's not striking out as much, at least. But um, yeah, it's gonna correct. It's just it's a hot start, you know. But It'll correct. So, but yeah, I like I like him a little more than I did coming into the year. Yeah, for sure. Next up, Elvis Andrews, who's ninth among shortstops with a three forty nine batting average, three home runs, and five steals. So far, this looks a lot like the twenty seventeen Andrews that I saw. Where do you land on him right now, Andrew? Uh, I mean, yeah, he's looked pretty good. I. For some reason, I just can't get that into it. But, yeah, he's been good. I would say as far as my excitement level or him keeping it up, I don't really think he's going to keep this up. So three or four maybe. Strikeouts are at a career high in the early going here. And, again, we're talking 98 at-bats, but it's 19%. Looking at yeah, I feel stance. like I feel like we're kind of at this stage with shortstop where there's all these new age guys, these young guys with upside, and there's just all the. And then I don't know, Elvis Andrews just it's just so unbelievably boring to me. It's like he's been good though. Like I said, he has been good. It's just I 
be so much more interested in somebody that I felt like had more upside, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I but think if, he... If that's what you need, if you need the steady production, I mean, he might provide it. It's just I don't think he's going to be as good as he's been so far. I don't think his home run rate, I had three home runs here in the early going. I'm not sure I buy that. His hard hit rates are really good, but the I think if you had me guessing what I think he could be if he stayed healthy, I think 12, 15 home runs and 20 to 25 steals. I think that's doable and that's a solid player. All right, and this guy here is a little he's more. Another, he's another guy. His Babbitt's really high, 420. So Yeah. Just let it correct a little bit, you know. It should. Now, the hard hit rate being at 47%, that tells me it probably still should be high. But, yeah, 420, obviously, no, there's nobody that should be having yeah. that that can have something like that you sustain for long, typically. Yeah. So, Fernando Tatis, he's a little more of an – he's a more exciting name. And he's off to an incredible start, given he's 20 and came into the season with 102 games above A-ball. And so far, he has a 286 batting average, six home runs, and five stolen bases. He's been a pretty solid five-category player in the early going. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh-oh. Okay. Tim Anderson or Fernando Tatis? Tatis. Rest of the season. I think it's Tatis, and I'm not even hesitating. Yeah. Yeah, it's close to me. He's so. changed my mind. And well, let Tim Anderson or Tatis or Corey Seager rest of the season. I'd probably, I'd probably take Tatis too. I would take Corey Seager over them. But I'm looking right now. I'm trying to pull up. They have the edge in steals, though. I mean, Seager's That's not going to run. Yeah, Seager's not going to run. But I think Seager's a better hitter than both of them. So I agree there. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it just depends on what you're going for, but. I yeah. think I might go to Tatis over Seager. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not crazy. Yeah, at this point, I think I would. And, oh, man, then you're moving up. The next step is Carlos Correa, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out if I'd go. If yeah, there's that's no where way. it stops. There's, yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. I think I'm taking Correa also. I just think he's a really good hitter. Yeah. I mean, Seager is too. But Yeah. Hmm. Okay, well, I think I there's I think there's going to be a point here soon with Correa where he just goes nuts. I, I have a feeling it's coming pretty quick. But yeah, everything on his underlying stats are showing that he's performing really well right now. That offense, man, it's just like it's so fun because I have between all my leagues, well, my two dynasty in Roto Masters one and two, I have. Springer, Altuve, Bregman, and Brantley between the two leagues. Like, I have them in one of the two. That's fun. And I have Brantley in a second dynasty league. And then I have Correa in one of my redrafts. So it's like the whole the whole Astros lineup. When they go off, it's just I'm getting some kind of benefit out of it somewhere. You know, it's, it's great. It's, and it's kind of that way with the Rockies, too. I kind of have that. Uh, similarly with the Rockies, but yeah, they're just, it's the lineup is so good. It's just awesome. If you're going to have a lot of shares of two different lineups, I think you picked maybe yeah, the best two to have two pretty good ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah, especially with the Yankees all injured and the Red Sox struggling in the early going, I think that's, uh, probably I've got, 
The best two. I've got maybe plenty. the Dodgers. I've got plenty of those Yankees shares too, but <laughs> yeah. It's... And I'll mention Dansby Swanson here. I haven't paid much attention to him this year, but I do remember seeing he was off to a fantastic start. But apparently he's cooled off already. He's fallen to shortstop number thirteen at this point. I know you were had shares in the past. Do you have any now, Andrew? Uh yeah, I have him in. Uh, I've got him in one redraft league. Yeah. Okay. He's actually in my twelve in my twelve team redraft. He's the guy I pulled for Vlad. Okay. Well, that's a nice upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> I was I. Uh, just because that that team, I'm kind of loaded with shortstops. I got Correa, Jorge Polanco, and Swanson, so and said- and uh, and Cole Tucker. So I just put Vlad in, and Swanson was the one I pulled for now. I mean, it's kind of you know matchups and stuff. I just play it, but and I think it's time we talk about Mondesi. We have not talked about him since the season began, and we both ripped on him pretty good before the season started, and it's time to talk about him. We were both completely out on him, and so far he's been okay. 275 batting average, three home runs, and seven steals. Uh, Actually, in the notes I put, not bad for a two-hole hitter, but I think I'm already going to take that back because all you have to do is look at his on-base percentage and see it's not really that pretty. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Mondesi and what he's done so far? Uh, surface stats are good. I still think the same thing that I thought before the season. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not wavering yet. But he has he has been pretty good so far. So actually, what's interesting looking is batting average on base, strikeouts, walk rates—they're all pretty close to what he did last year. But yeah. his uh, his BABIP is 30 points higher. About his hard contact, that's all almost pretty much the same as soft contacts up a bit and mediums down. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I still I think it's a continuation of what's happening last year so far, but I still can't buy in completely. Yeah, I just want I want to get a little more. You know, if he's still if he's still doing good, I mean it's it's like. People are praising him and stuff like, oh, Mondesi and this. And it's like, he still has a 308 OBP. Like, I know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he's still, and he still has a 279 career OBP. Last year it was 306. Like, I get that he has his strengths, but the people who like to point out his strengths never want to point out his weaknesses. And, you know, it's, I like I said, I'll, I'll give it to him. He's been pretty good so far, but. Still a 308 OBP, and I still just want to see it longer. I want to, if we're still sitting here in July and he's still like kind of pacing the way that he is, I'll give him more credit than I'm giving him now. But I just want to see a little more. Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay, let's move to outfield, and we can't start talking outfielders without talking about Christian Yelich. 13 home runs, 5 steals, 333 batting average so far this season, and what's funny, 13 home runs here in April, and he's had two that were robbed by outfielders. So he could easily have 15 right now, and I said before the season regression was coming for him, and he seems to have been 
responded by sticking his middle finger right up at me with those 13 home runs. I'll play the same game I played with Bellinger here. Over under 40 home runs hit for Yelich this year. Under. Okay. But, I mean, not by a lot. Who hits more home runs, Bellinger or Yelich? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I didn't hit you with that one. I just thought of it. Uh, Bellinger. I think but, I would take I mean, Bellinger, it's, by, it's and I would even give five. Thing. Yeah. I might even be – I don't think – I would contemplate even giving 10. I don't think I would. Oh, that's, but, cra- that's crazy. I, I'll, t- I'm, I'll take Yelich plus 10 if you want to make a bet. <laughs> do you want to do Yelich plus 7? Yelich plus 7.5. Uh, Carrie, keep talking. We'll come back to it at the end of the podcast. Okay, I'll, maybe I, we'll, maybe we'll get another I'm trying there. To, I'm trying to think, and I don't want to put like two minutes of dead air time, so just keep going. But possibly, <laughs> possibly we could, yeah. Okay, we might get our third bet here in here. So you're saying he's close to 40, which means you'd take the over on 35. Uh, no, I think I think I'd probably say low 30 still. Okay, what's he at well, now? 13. 13. Same as Bellinger. 20. Yeah, I would say like 33 to 36, somewhere in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, in that case. Bellinger, I, Bellinger I'd probably say like upper 30s. Well, if yeah. that's the case, then seven and a half should look pretty good for you. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. We'll come back to Yelich. Marcel Ozuna. In 23 games and 85 at-bats, he has a 256 batting average. Also has nine home runs, 20 runs, and 21 RBI. And he's also somehow chipped in three stolen bases. He had that awesome 2017 season with the Marlins, where he had 37 home runs and a 312 batting average. But his first year in St. Louis last year wasn't that great, with 23 home runs and a 280 batting average. There was a lot of talk that he was hampered by a shoulder injury last year, and this start sure seems to be backing that up because he's saying he feels better going into the season. And that 250 batting average, that's coming with a 245 BABIP, which is significantly lower than his career, which his career batting average on balls in play is 322. So that 256 looks like that could be on the rise also. Yeah, he's been off to a good start, I would say. I'd give him like a six, maybe, on how much I buy in it. I kind of believe. Yeah, I think he should be right around the 30 home run mark, which is what I said before going into last year. I feel the same going into this year because of that injury. I thought, you know, I could see him doing exactly what I thought he'd do yeah, last he, year, which was. He just kind of like. It's like two years ago, he just overperformed, and last year, yes. he, under, he underperformed. Yes. And it's like I just expect him to land somewhere in between. And, you know, that's probably what will happen. Yep. Agreed. Mitch Haniger had a nice season last year. He had 26 home runs and a 285 batting average. But there were many that were skeptical of him this year with the Mariners going into sell mode and looking like they were going to have a depleted roster. But they were wrong on both fronts so far. 
Haniger is currently the fourth best outfielder this year so far in terms of fantasy value on fan tracks. He has seven home runs, two stolen bases, 29 runs, and 18 RBI in 18 games so far with the Mariners offense that has been rolling. Is Mitch Haniger actually going to be a top 15 outfielder at the end of this year, Andrew? Possibly, but I would lean no. Yeah. I'm with you there. I think that whole team has overperformed so far, and I just I'm not sold that he's going to be up here at the end of the year. And I mean, for him to be third right now, and we're saying probably not in the top 15, that's saying we expect a significant drop back. Yeah, I'm just not a Hanneker guy. He's he's good though. I'm with you. Okay, let's talk Joey Gallo. We are 20 games in, and he has eight home runs so far, which 18 runs scored and 22 RBI. Solid stats, but nothing too shocking there. But what is really surprising, he's hitting 273 as of Friday night. Andrew, is this batting average spike a sign of something new, or is this a fantasy? Actually, you know, that's a great game for a player who's off to a hot start. And I hope I'm not ripping off somebody here as I say this, but is this real life or fantasy? I like that. That's a, a whole, <laughs> Isn't that a Queen song? Uh, yeah. I hope I, I came up with that. Uh, I think it's, uh, is that Bohemian Rhapsody? I think I so. Remember. I think it might be. Uh, I, I really it, hope I'm the first one that came up with that. I think it, I think it's Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. I, um, if you're asking me if Gallo's going to hit 273, I would you can name the amount you want to put on that. And I'll, I'll say, <laughs> I'll say no, because there's like, literally there's no chance. Like there's no way that he hits that. His no. average, his average at the end of this season will be below what it is now. What's it's fun just, is there's no doubt. When I made these notes, I started writing these notes on, I think Tuesday afternoon and his batting average at that time was exactly 300. And, so and I say that I, I say that, and I like Joey Gallo. I, I I do. I like him. I mean, he's. I think he's good, and I know what he is, and I like that. You know, it's like I kind of like when you know what you're getting out of a player, and I know what I'm getting out of Joey Gallo. It's just I'm not getting a 273 batting average. So. I was starting to wonder early in the year he was hitting his strikeout rate in those first 10, 15 games was something like. 25%, but it's already back up to 36.6% right now. Yeah. <laughs> so he is Joey Gallo. And yeah, he's such a, he's such a fascinating player, man. God, he's just, he's just like so unique. It's awesome. I love it. Like, I just think it's great. I love it. He's the grown up version of that Husky kid in the YouTube videos that hits dingers. The guy that says I hit dingers. Yeah. His yeah. favorite player better be Joey Gallo because that's, <laughs> <laughs> what Joey Gallo should be just saying. I hit dingers. His, yeah, it's just he crushes. It's it's awesome. It, remi- just, it, it Honestly, it reminds me a lot of Adam Dunn. It, yeah. It's just like that's what I think of. Adam now, Dunn granted, was, it's not exact, but it's not exact, but it's it's a lot like that. It was Adam Dunn hit 40 home runs for I think it was like five years in a row or something. And it's and just, that, I expect that out of Joey Gallo every year. I, 
if he hit 50 plus, I'd never even bat an eye at it. It's, it's a great comp because Dunn 15 years ago was hit striking out 25, 30% of the time or whatever it was. And that was at a time where people weren't striking out as much. So now strikeouts are higher, but he's also striking out higher than everybody else. I think that's a good comp. Yeah. What about Dwight Smith of the Orioles? He's the 10th best outfielder on fan tracks right now. 290 batting average, five home runs, three steals, 17 runs, and 19 RBI. Andrew, how sold are you on him? One to one to ten. Uh, three, four, something like that. I don't so, really, I don't really believe it. But at the same time, just ride the wave. I mean, he's playing good, so just play him and, until he isn't. I mean, yeah. That's I kind think- of that's kind of what I'm doing with guys like Hunter Dozier and Renato Nunez and. You know, guys that I just don't really expect, but it's like until they're not, until they give me a reason not to, I'm going to keep playing them. So, agreed. Ride the streak. D. Gordon's also off to a nice start this year. Outfielder number 15 on fan tracks. His batting average is up to 302 for the season with two home runs and eight steals in 28 games. Now, let me ask you this Who would you rather have rest of the season right now, D. Gordon or Malik Smith? Whew. Yeah, Malik's is not off to a great start. Yeah, Malik's is off to a pretty bad start. Uh, probably... God, it's close, I think. Who would you take? I think I'd go D at this point. I've seen D have these resurgences before, and I, I, I think I'm sold in that he, he's the hotter guy, and I think he's going to – I just feel a little better about him. Malik Smith, 180 batting average, one home run, eight steals. I'm trying to look him up on fan graphs as we're talking. Yeah, I think I'm with I think I'm with you, actually. I'm surprised I'm saying that right now, but I think I'm yeah, with we, you. We liked Malik's before the year. I mean, I – yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with you. 29% strikeout rate from Alex so far this year. Ugh. So he's got to get that. He's got to improve that if he wants to stay on top of that lineup. Cause I think he's still hitting first and D Gordon's hitting. Who am I, who am I trying to think of? I, there was somebody I was reading about and I am totally spacing who this was that would possibly be up soon and send Malik's to the bench. Who am I thinking of? Is it, it's in the somebody in the Mariners minor leagues, and I just am totally spacing it. Surely uh, not. Uh, their guy who had all the knee injuries that's in Double A. Surely not him. Kyle Lewis. Yeah. No. Imagine. No. Somebody else. I'll think of it. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of any prospects that'd be coming up. And I just remember. Job. I remember reading it, and they were saying like, "Put they'll make Malik's a fourth outfielder." Basically, I just forget who it was, and it's. I'm spacing. I'm just totally spacing it, but it'll they're come still. To me. They're still hitting D Gordon ninth despite the start like tonight, Mitch Haniker, and I think he's been hitting lead off a lot lately. He's hitting lead off, and D Gordon's in the nine hole. Yeah, Smith's not even in the lineup. I don't know if he's hurt or if they've started giving him more games off. Okay, well, we'll keep moving on. 
And the last outfielder I was going to talk about here is Alex Gordon. This guy goes from waiver wire fodder the last few years to being a top 20 outfielder in the early part of the season. 311 batting average, five home runs, 15 runs scored, 21 RBI through 25 games. Looking at his fan graphs page, his hard hit rate is up a bit, but the biggest change I see from last year is the strikeout rate. Last year, he struck out 21% of the time, which is not great, but not horrible. And this year, it's only at 10% so far. Alex Gordon, is he real life or fantasy? One through 10, how sold are you on him? Uh, how sold am I? Probably yep. like a, like a five. Um, how pumped am I? Like a 10. I'm like loving this dude right now. He's like, he's been huge for me. I've got him in multiple leagues. He's been awesome. He's just been on fire. Like him and Dozier, it's been crazy. He, he is one of the hot starters of all of this list of guys who were free agents who I did manage to get a share of. I have him in my auction league where I was getting killed by injuries and he's been a big help for me for my last place team. <laughs> so maybe, Yeah. The negative with you're just not going to get steals. So it's like, he has to keep mm-hmm. hitting, mm-hmm. but they're hitting him in the three hole, which has given him a chance to get plenty of RBIs and runs for that three Oh eight on base percentage. Mondesi has in front of him. Oh, okay. We'll move on to pitchers. The t- and the top 10 pitcher list sure is a head scratcher right now. And I didn't update this tonight. So this one is as of a few days ago. But before and before we get started, I'm going to read off this list. And it's funny to look at. Tyler Glasnow, as of Tuesday, was number one. Domingo Herman with the Yankees was number two. Justin Verlander, number three. And there's at least one that's not surprising. Luis Castillo, number four. Trevor Bauer at five, Jose Barrios at six, Marco Gonzalez at seven, Patrick Corbin at eight, Carlos Rodon at nine, and Frankie Montas at ten. So my first reaction at those five pitchers that were on the list that were not top 50 options as starting pitcher before the year, and five of them are guys who at least are not too shocking. And we talked about Gladstone last week, Andrew, or you did on the podcast. So I figured I'd gloss over him and move to Herman of the Yankees. 25 innings pitched, 175 ERA, and a 0.818 whip with four wins. And I think I remember you saying before the year, Andrew, you liked him as a late-round flyer. Did you manage to land some shares of him? Yeah, I've got him on one team. He's been That's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. That's the type of stuff that can win leagues for you if he was to keep this yeah, up or keep I pitching mean, even, at a high level. Yeah, just just sticking for part of the year on a guy like that is huge. By the cool. way, the, not to change this, the guy was Jake Fraley, the, uh, the, the Mallard. <laughs> the Australian. Guy. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I can't remember who it was. It may have been James Anderson, but uh, somebody had talked about him possibly being up in the middle of the season and taking put sending Malik's to the bench. So Tim Anderson just hit a walk off home run, by the way. <laughs> it's crazy. Jeez, oh Pete's is he on fire. What a start. They were yeah. down big tonight too. I think I Yeah, saw they won twelve they just won twelve to eleven. And they were down ten to three if I recall. They were down, yeah, right around that. Yep, something like that. It's crazy. Sure. 
But yeah, okay. yeah, I got Herman. Sorry to get off track. I got Herman uh, in the one league, and yeah, he's been really good. All right, let's talk about three other big surprises this year: Marco Gonzalez, Carlos Rodon, and Frankie Montas. Which Rodon? That's not fair. He got absolutely lit up tonight, so he may be the last of these three now. But which one do you think is most likely to stick as a top twenty starting pitcher, Andrew? Probably Gonzalez. Probably Marco Gonzalez, just because I think he was close to that last year. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying Frankie Montas, so I guess that's who I have to take. <laughs> Montas has been impressive. Yeah, he has. He has been good. Yeah, he has. I just I'm not vaulting him to the top twenty pitchers. So okay, we'll talk about a couple more pitchers here. Caleb Smith. He's a popular name right now in Miami. And four starts in the god-awful Marlins organization. He has a 2.17 ERA, a 0.82 whip, and two wins. What about him? Yeah, he looks pretty legit. I haven't done much digging on him to really see outside of those stats, but I hear a lot of people buzzing about him on the Baseball 365 Facebook group so far. Yeah, I looked into him a little bit, too, and it seems like it's been mostly legit. Well, that's good for the guys who got him early. A little bit low Babbitt, but it's most most of it looks good. High K rate. What about Joe Musgrove? He's also off to a nice start. Uh, 1.59 ERA, 0.84 whip, one win and four starts. What, how would you feel about him if you owned him? Is this something that can sustain, or would this be somebody who you'd be looking to sell? Yeah, I've actually been thinking about him a lot this season. I, because I've kind of been hard on him in the past. He's, he's been really, really good. Yeah, he looks good. Um, I mean, I like I always say, anytime it comes up where it's like, would you sell or buy? Like, I've had times where I have sold and bought the same guy within days. <laughs> it just, it just in the really, same league. No, no, in different leagues, but like one situation, you know, every, every league is different and your situations are different in all of them. But, um, yeah, I've had times it, it truly, it's, it's just, I'm always going to say it just depends on the price. That's like my universal answer, because if I can get the guy cheap, if I can get a guy cheap or if someone's going to give me the farm, you know, it just, it really just depends. But I think Musgrove. I mean, he's he's been good. I I like him more. Definitely like him more than I did. I I've never really been huge on him, but yeah, he seems like uh, seems like he's been pretty legit so far. You saying you've bought and sold guys in a couple days apart just reminded me of a story. I just went and did, looked it up. Two thousand nine, Ben Zobrist had twenty seven home runs and seventeen steals in that breakout season for the Rays, and I bought him the next season in my home league. And he was not hitting home runs at all in the early going that season. And Van Lee, who most of you guys know from the Fantrax Dynasty Baseball and Nasty Cast podcast, if you listen to those, he's a local friend of mine. We've been friends for almost 20 years. And I sold him Zobrist in May because he wasn't hitting home runs. It was a 12-team league, and I was fed up with him. I sold him to him. I don't remember what I got back. It wasn't much. I sold him low. And he went on to hit like four home runs in the next two weeks, and I'm just pissed. 
And I end up giving him Carlos Lee of the Astros. <laughs> Two weeks later, I give him a much better player to get Zobris back because I really did need some help at second base. And then he proceeded to hit 10 home runs all season. So he hit four home runs in the two weeks I didn't have him and hit six home runs on my team the rest of the season. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yes, we all make mistakes. And that was yeah. definitely my earlier years of playing where I was not doing as much digging. And yeah, that's just, just makes <laughs> that stuff makes you learn. Okay. Back on track. Musgrove, I own him in Roto Masters 2, and given I'm not competing this year, I've been toying around with whether I'm trying to compete next year, and if I think this is real, it'd be nice to have him, but if I, I think I'm going to put him on the block at some point in the near future just to see what offers come to me. Not definitely be set on trade them by any means, but just to see what the offers are, because at least worth checking, seeing what people come with. Yeah. All right. Luke Weaver... With the Diamondbacks, he's had a nice fresh start so far this year in five starts in 27 innings. He has 31 strikeouts, a 3.3 ERA, a 1.1 whip, and only six walks. Pretty impressive starting for the young guy who had a rough year in St. Louis last year. Real life or fantasy, Andrew? Mostly real, I think. I don't think he's quite as good, but yeah, I like him. Trying to look his got, page up right now. I think I got one. Sh- yeah, I've got one. Uh, I've got him on one of my teams. Underlying stats like it. That three point. What did I say? Three point three ERA has got a three point one xFIP right now. So Fangraphs, they're saying that that's legit too. And when you've got a ten point three strikeouts per nine and a two walks per nine, that is going to usually lead to success. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he's been solid. Okay, let's rank these next three hot starters that I was going to bring up, and that is Marcus Stroman, Jordan Lyles, and Ross Stripling. How would you rank those three the rest of the year? I would definitely have Lyles last. Not even close, really, with him. But um, as far as Stroman and Stripling, if you told me Stripling would be in the – like. For Stripling starts, I want Stripling, but I think Stroman will get more innings, so it kind of just depends on what you're going for. Yeah, I think I'm taking Stroman over Stripling for that reason, but I agree on a per-start basis, I'm taking Stripling. And yes, Lyle's number three. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move into relievers, and I don't have many to talk about. They're so fickle, typically. Though it's not really been as bad of a year this year. But there are two closers who are off to incredible starts so far. And one is Shane Green with the Tigers. And the other is Padres closers of Kirby Yates. These are two of the top relievers so far this year. That they're really helping those teams. I think they both are already in double digits and saves. I know Green is. Yates might be. To me, both feel like definitive sell highs, though, as both could be traded to teams competing that would put them into setup roles at some point this year. Andrew, if you owned one of those two guys in a redraft, would you be holding on to them, just getting the saves you can, or would you be trying to move them if you could get a good closure value for them? Uh, I could, I mean, in a redraft, it's kind of awkward because... It's just totally different than Dynasty. I mean, when you're 
when you're in a dynasty, if you've got one of those guys and you're like, if you're not in the hunt, I would sell them instantly, you know, or as soon as I could in the hunt, it's kind of tough. And in redraft, you're just trying to win now, of course. So, uh, it, it just, it's tough. Cause if it's like you, if you only have one or two closers and you're trading them, like you can't give away all your saves either. So it's, it's difficult. I think they carry more value in a redraft league than they do in a dynasty league. Because in a yeah. dynasty league in a year and a half, I don't think either one of them is really probably worth anything. Here's the way I'd say it. If you're in a, like, let's say 15 team, we play in a lot of 15 teams, and you have maybe three closers. And well, Yeah, you, if you have three closers in a 15 team, then I would trade one. Yeah, trade one and I... That. I would specifically be trying to trade one of those guys. Unfortunately, most league owners, I think, are going to realize that about Shane Green. But Kirby Yates might be one that people would be more likely to get, maybe buy because the Padres aren't losing and they've got a winning record. And maybe they'll he'll stay in there for that reason. Maybe they'll stay above five hundred and they'll decide to run with them. And so maybe Yates is one I would hang on to be more likely to hang on to than green. Yeah. I mean, I could see that going either way. I had something I wanted to bring up here too. I was thinking about, if you don't mind me just mentioning this, uh, with relievers. So I was looking at last night because I I've been thinking about like, there's so many of these teams. I still feel like, so we're sitting here, it's, it's late April. And I still feel like there's so many of these teams that their closer situation is like we still kind of don't know what it is. I mean, I'm just going to run through this because I kind of I was I was looking at it. Okay, so okay. you've got you've got the Cubs, which is kind of a mess. I don't who's, even know who's getting ninth. Strope, Strope, but okay. yeah, kind of a mess. Philly. I, I'm, I'm yep. pretty much just. I'm gonna. Na- I'm just gonna name these off. Okay, Cubs one is one, Philly is two, Braves is three, Marlins is four, um, Baltimore. Uh, I've I'm got the teams here. Hold on one sec. Oh. Uh, you can cut some of this out. Uh, Tampa Bay is five because that's been kind of. A little jerked around. I mean, I know that Alvarado, one makes no sense. Uh, yeah, I know Alvarado is the one you think, but that one's been a little herky jerky. Uh, Toronto, I wouldn't really count that because it's pretty much Giles. But mm-hmm. you know, you have your questions with them that or him. That's six. Baltimore is seven. Boston, I still wouldn't con- consider a stable situation. The Twins. Is what? What are we at now? Nine? That's number nine. Uh, the White Sox, I guess you could consider column. The K- yeah. KC is 10. There was 12 I had. Uh, the Angels is 11. And Texas. Or uh, Seattle, too. There, there's another one. I mean, there's... Yep. I think Miami is one that I think that's pretty settled. I've seen... Um, Sergio Romo gets saved a couple times. Yeah, couple yeah. Days to where I think that one's settled, but yeah, I think all the other twelve—that's they're legit. Kind of what I was thinking as I was just going through. I was just looking at the standings, and I was just mm-hmm. thinking about it in my head. 
And I was like, okay, so roughly, let's just say 10 to 12 teams. It's like that. And I just feel like this year, those elite closers are more valuable because of that. Because, like, who wants to play around with, like, for example, in one league, okay, I have Roberto Osuna, and I don't have any other closers. I just have him. And I've been kind of playing around, you know, picking up a couple guys like that I think might get saves and they've gotten one, but then they don't get the next one. And it's like going back and forth. And I'm, I'm watching the wire closely to see, you know, who's, who could emerge and who I could get. Cause I know I need a second one, maybe, you know, maybe a third or whatever. I, so that's one of my focuses on the wire. This is a redraft league. And I swear to you, there's like nobody to really pick up because it's like it's just they're all jumbled messes. All the guys that are available, they have to basically all emerge from a jumbled mess. And that's a lot of these teams right now. It's a jumbled mess, I feel like. You know, hearing you just say all of that is eye-opening to me for this reason, I said when we did our relief pitcher podcast, I think I said it a couple times in the preseason that I was getting make. I wanted two top tier closers. So in my two redraft leagues, I think I have a combo of Edwin Diaz, Chapman, and another one of the other closers near that level as my closers for those two leagues. I have, I may have Diaz in both. I can't remember for sure, and I have Chapman in one and. Oh, Kentley Jansen and the other. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And as I even put in the notes, I don't think the turnover's been too bad this year for closures. And I'm realizing it's because I have the elite guys. I've paid very little attention to closures this year because of that. Because I had Colum A also, who's worked out well for me. And I just had, didn't even realize there were that many teams yeah. that are a mess. And those guys who waited... They're hurting right now unless they were lucky enough to get greener Yates. Yeah, and the other the other thing too is like one league, okay. I have Blake Parker. And I had so what happened in this league was I drafted Trevor May. And then towards uh, the yes. end towards the end, like one of the very I took Trevor May, you know, thirty round draft. I took Trevor May in like the twentieth round. Or the 19th, you know, whatever, 18th, somewhere in there, 18th to 20th. And then I took Blake Parker in, like, the reserve rounds, you know, like round 27 or something. And Blake Parker has been the one getting the saves. And Hmm. Blake Parker's been really good. Like, he's been good. He hasn't blown any saves. At least I don't believe he has. But he's given up, I think, one run the whole season. And so, you know, typically when the guy's in the closer role, he has to blow saves to lose the job. And there was a couple instances since Blake Parker's last save was nine days ago. And there's been multiple instances since where Taylor Rogers has been in for the save. And I just, I haven't been like listening to the broadcast, so I don't, you know, every time, but I'm just like, how, what is Blake Parker? He hasn't, Blake Parker hasn't given up a run since his first appearance this year. Jeez. 
but like it's it's almost like he lost or at least temporarily lost the job like it's super weird and i feel like every there's other teams like this is just that's one example but some of these other teams it, it is like that and it's i feel like those elite closers like diaz chapman osuna etc kenley trinan put the guys you put them in set it forget it like I, I feel like this year was a great year to go for the guys like that my this was the year of the double ace double closure for me as long as double- it was as long as it wasn't kimbrell Yes. <laughs> God. As long as you took an elite closer who was on a roster. That's a whole nother mess. And I don't mean to get too far off the rails here, but is that guy going to pitch this year? I think he will. I just don't think it's going to be until the second oh half God. after June. I think what at a- this point, there's nobody's going to sign him whenever they could wait a month and, and keep the draft pick. I think he will have somebody sign him after the, dra- after the draft starts. It sucks for guys who took him. I know you did in yeah, one of your last drafts. I, got, I think I have him in two leagues. Yeah, it sucks. I, I don't think you can draw. You can't cut him unless you're in a one of those shallow leagues with a shallow bench. But man, that would just be. I just. To I would have never. I would have never put like the percentile of this happening. I, I would have had it so low. I. I would have never thought it was going to come to this ever. Yeah, I th- I think even a week before the season, I was saying, I think he'll be signed on the first game of the season, like Greg Holland was last Yeah, year. I just, I would have, if I would have thought that this could happen, I mean, I, I would have thought of it totally different. I mean, I just never saw this coming. This might be something that changes future seasons when people are drafting, because Dallas Keuchel, too, just sitting out yeah. there. People yeah. thought they were getting deals because this guy wasn't signed, and in today's game... If you have a draft pick stuck to you and you got a free agent who's wanting more money than the team's value, they'll just they're just gonna leave you out there. Yep. Okay. Back to closures, and I had one other one I was gonna talk about, and that was Jordan Hicks, the Cardinals new closer. In ten innings this year, he has thirteen strikeouts, five walks, and a two point six ERA. And this good this guy could be an elite closer for years to come. Or at least I think he could be. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, he could be for sure. He's got nasty stuff. Okay, well, let's play a him or him game with him. And I'm going to start in the middle and work my way up here. And Hicks or Ken Giles, rest of the season? Hicks. Okay. Rizel Iglesias. Iglesias. Okay. So... I think Iglesias was right there in that 10 to 12 range amongst closers before the year. So you're saying he's a yeah. back-end number one closer then? Yeah, I off the top of my head without having any list here in front of me, I think he'd be in like the 12 to 15 range among closers. Somewhere around 12 probably. Yeah, that sounds about right given you're taking him behind Iglesias. Yeah. Okay, well, that was fun, Andrew. And that's all the players I have. But before we get out of here, I thought that I'd turn this into a thing about the real life and the teams that are off to hot starts. All of these teams I'm about to list are at or over 500 right now. The Pirates, the Diamondbacks, the Padres, the Tigers, the Mariners, and Rangers. 
And that list has quite a few surprises of the teams listed. Andrew, who do you think is going to finish with the highest amount of wins of those teams? The Padres. Yep. I don't even think it's close either. Yeah. I I mean, it's not the Tigers. There's no way. Like, that's... I'm very confident in saying that. I think that the... The Diamondbacks and the Pirates... The Pirates will fall off. I'm more confident, I guess, than the Diamondbacks falling off. But I think the Diamondbacks probably will, too. And the Rangers, too. It really, it's Padres or Mariners. And I, I think the, I just think the Padres will be better over the long haul. I don't even think I'd have Mariners second on this list. I'm, that, I'm just that not sold on them. Uh, but let me ask you this, then. Over, under, or push, two of these teams finishing with 81 or more wins. Two? Yes. Six teams listed uh, here. Probably a push. But I would lean, uh, if I had to take under or over, I would take under. I agree with all that. I'd pick push and under if I had to. Yeah. I think Padres is my most likely, and I think I would pick the Pirates or Diamondbacks as my second one. I'm, I don't think I'm at all sold on the Mariners, even with their great record start off this year i just i can't buy into this last and okay yeah well, i like i like the padres man i i think the padres have a pretty decent team mm-hmm. i do i like them they're head I and they've agree. got it they're the, they're also preller's a genius he's aggressive he's gonna go for it if if it if the situation calls for it and they have a ton of talent in the minors yep so there's so many resources that they have to use if they need them, whether it be through trade or through calling them up. So, exactly- yeah, I, I like the top Padres. They're, they're headed in the right direction. I think in our preseason podcast, we talked about the Padres, and that's exactly what we said. If they're competitive this year, that Prowler yeah. would have the pieces to go do anything he wants. Yeah, they have endless, um, endless guys in the minors. It's just, it just goes forever. And he... I tell you what, there's there's not too many. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and rank GMs on the show, but <laughs> there's not too many that I would rather have than that guy right now. He's right there at the top, close to the top. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Like what I love about him is he came in there, and I think it was like 2015, and he bought all those guys, and it didn't work out, but he took a chance, and I loved that, and got this t- fan base excited right off. And I didn't think it was bad to try it. I was like, good for him for trying there at that time. And didn't work out, and he was real quick to sell it all off and just absolutely stack that farm system over the next couple of seasons. And they're reaping the benefits of it right now, and it's just going to keep getting better for them over the next few years. Yeah, I just I just love that everybody, you know, nobody's pumped about the Padres, and then it's like they sign Manny and then, Sure enough, that move just triggers the Tatis call up, and it's like only Preller would do that. Like so many teams would have left Tatis in the minors until about now, you know, when like Vlad come up, you know, late April, whatever, and yeah, he just did it his way. So it's cool. I th- I think they and the Dodgers, it's going to be a fun rivalry for the next five ten years. Yeah, because the Dodgers have an endless amount of money and 
they've right. really ran that organization well for the last five years since Friedman came over from Tampa. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It'll start getting better too, probably in like a year or two or three. Mm-hmm. Cause right now I think Dodgers are still better, but yeah, it, it's going to get there where it, it could be a lot closer. I agreed. All right. Well, Thanks again to everybody for supporting this show and for listening. We hope you all are enjoying. We're 20 episodes in. It's hard to believe we've already done 20 of these, Andrew. We've given up just, we started this up just a little over two months ago and we're already at 20 episodes. Pretty crazy. Yeah, I know. Flying. We were flying through them there for a while. It's calmed down a little bit, but yeah, it's been, uh, been a lot of fun. Yeah, we've still been doing good at getting at least one out every week since the season started, and this yeah. week everybody got two. Yeah. All right, and I'll say it again. The best way you can support us is to leave a review on iTunes. We are hoping to eventually find our way onto the first page of podcasts on iTunes when someone searches for fantasy baseball. You taking a quick moment to write us a quick review on iTunes can help us get there. We really would appreciate the support. And before we get out of here, Andrew, do you have any final words? Anything you want to plug? No, just uh, pissed that I pitched Chris Archer tonight. How bad was it? I almost sat him, I swear. And he's been really good. I almost sat him. Yeah, six earned. What's the score there? Six, two Dodgers. Okay. I ask because Hyunjin Ryu is on his opponent, and I started him in DFS tonight. So that's yeah, why ten, I asked. He, he got 10 strikeouts. Ooh, good. That might win me my night because yeah, it was close he, last I looked. He uh, should get the win, too. Yeah, 6-2 to two in the top of the eighth. So. Yeah, they're good. They need to give up another run to get Kinley a save, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how we think that. Like <laughs> Four-run game? you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yep, you're always thinking, okay, either that or somebody comes in the ninth and lets – Puts a guy on. on base. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. I noticed the other day – I noticed the other day because Wade Davis, I have him in a couple in a couple leagues. He hasn't been getting saves. Uh-huh. And the and the he's been pitching here, per, you know, periodically. But they're just they just randomly haven't been winning by three or less. And they were doing it a lot last year. And I noticed the other day they brought him in for one bat, like to get a one out <laughs> save. It was like a six. It was like a five or six run game. Uh-huh. And I was like, they know that he doesn't have any saves. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like the perfect situation to get an easy cheap save. It was like there was guys on and. You know, two outs, and it was just perfect. But it was probably somebody like, oh, I don't know, I w- Chris Owings at bat. I want to <laughs> say it was like uh, even a nine to three game, or it was a blowout. Like it wasn't a close to a three run game. I don't think. Hey, you know what? You'll take that save as well as yeah, everybody else who had right. Oh, totally, totally. All right. Well, we appreciate you all again, and take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. 
once again. Please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.